Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you have downloaded this podcast is the right time to tune in to Tahoe Tap. Yours truly, Mike Parent and Rob Galloway coming at you again for a beer theme. We'll hit you with the local news and the national conversation starters that you need to know. But yeah, we've got a beer theme throughout our A&P portion of the TAP. That's your best beers around the lake and fun things you can do with the beer in your hand for your adventures. And then our people are Kevin and Rich, the owners and founders of Alibi Ale Works. So if you want to just tune into that, go ahead, fast forward. If you don't want to hear us yapping the whole time. <laughs> but we're, talking about, we're talking about beer. I mean, who doesn't want to talk about beer? Right? right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why you're tuning in. So, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, but there are some good guests and we'll have them on towards the end of the show. Speaking of beer, our sponsor is Lake Tahoe Ale Works. Two locations to serve yourself some beer. Uh, one at State Line on the Nevada side, tucked in between the casinos, and then one over at the Y, and they've also got another business called the Cocktail Corner. So if beer isn't your theme, thing, they've got wine and craft cocktails for you there. Uh, and pizza. So, and, and pizza and all, all kinds of great food <laughs> as well. So check out LakeTileAleWorks.com. All right, Rob, I'll let you take it away with these local headlines. Local tidbits. Here we go. A couple of weeks ago, Mike, we were sitting here, we were talking about everything snow related related and then since we've we've received the exact same amount of snow as i, I don't even know how you can say it but i'm gonna say the atacama desert um which is basically none uh, i i was actually gonna say the sahara desert and i was like wouldn't it be funny if i said we received the exact same amount of snow as, as the sahara desert and they actually had some well they had some so i i was like oh i'm glad i checked um but regardless not a lot of moisture to go around so what started off as a great um Winter has really petered out uh, here over the last uh, few weeks or so. And, and Mike, I don't know why they, Peter, you know why I say Peter out? I don't know. I've Is that always name, wondered that. Yeah. Named after a guy? I mean, poor Peter. I mean, they're like petered out. What did he do to deserve that? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, none really. I, I think you said something just like, I don't know, maybe even a couple of minutes, 20 minutes or so before we, we started recording. But uh, as far as no real moisture you know, on the horizon, other than maybe some stuff towards the end of the month. Is that what you saw? Yeah, a real weak possibility of it. But uh, Mother Nature is on dry January herself, just like a lot of people <laughs> out there going dry in terms of alcohol. Yeah, well, start busting out the snow dances, pray for snow parties, whatever you need to, because we will need it for the rest of the winter. Uh, and I'm going to move to the North Shore for my next point here. Uh, we did get word uh, that the Newport Beach-based firm EKN Development they are going to begin work on demolishing the Tahoe Biltmore and Casino to develop some type of marquee destination that they say is for both locals and visitors. Uh, it's going to include a luxury hotel, condos, a casino, uh, dining options, and concert area. The Biltmore, it's going to be open through February, so get your nostalgia points in now while you can. And Mike, do you want to know the most thing I'm bummed about with this thing? Oh, uh, the, the showroom. No, I don't get to call it the filthy Bilty anymore. Oh, that's Best right. You love that. in all of Tahoe. It's going to be going away. So I'm thinking we might need to make some T-shirts. You know, I don't know what it is. I survived the filthy Bilty, whatever. I, I just, it's the best nickname. I don't know. And then, I, you know, I was thinking too, what happens, you know, because they have the haunting up there, or the ghosts. What happens to, to that when it, everything gets raised up there? Um, they, they got bought out. They, they accepted the check. Oh, they did. Yeah. I, you know, some group probably hasn't stepped in yet on behalf of the ghosts. Like, 
TRPA or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that all shapes out. But uh, and probably the story that we got the most engagement on over the past week was the removal of the abandoned sailboat in Emerald Bay. So if you notice this eyesore that was hanging out there not too long ago, it is thankfully now gone. One of those shocking things, though, Mike, that, that I was reading in there, that they had to remove over 3,000 pounds of crap from that boat before they could pull it out. And we're not talking, you know, crap. Or we're, we're talking like crap is in trash. So that was that's a lot of trash. I mean, we talk about all these cleanups around the lake and everything, that how much trash they pull out. But 3,000 pounds from a single boat? Holy smokes. That, uh, I don't know. And it seems like we're getting more and more of these, um, these boats that uh, have sunk and they're trying to get removed every year. I don't know. Any thoughts from you on that? Well, I wanted more details on all that trash. No wonder it, it? sank, right? <laughs> you got 3,000 pounds of trash on there. I don't understand. That's a lot. That's a lot of trash. And my last story here, a longtime Genoa family recently sold three parcels of land to the U.S. Forest Service, 487 and a half acres in the upper Cold Creek watershed near High Meadows. And uh, to give you an idea of that location, if I'm right, I'm, um, I believe right where it's at. I didn't have the actual parcels out, but uh, right around, if you picture maybe the middle of Pioneer Trail, but pushing up towards the mountains, uh, it's right around in that area. You can, can you correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, or is that? Yeah, no, you're spot on. Yeah, with yeah. the description. Yep. Uh, used to be a grazing and commercially logged property owned by the Trimmer family which I have to believe because the Trimmer Peak is right there, that that is who it was named after. Uh, but the High Meadows property, that was owned by that family since 1929. The goal of Forest Service is preserving and protecting that entire upper Cold Creek watershed from development. So you got to be in favor of this, right? And all in all, um, what, only 30,000 of the uh, the acreage that uh, the Forest Service has bought. It's now 155,000 acres, but only when they started that, that little initiative up there, only 30,000 of the 155,000 acres, acres were publicly owned. So, so good on them for doing that. Wow, nice. That's a good wrap-up of all the popular stories that the Tribune and the Sun have put out. You can find them more in-depth at TileDailyTribune.com and SierraSun.com. Now you're going to have to do some searching on some of these because I'm going to get going to hit you with these conversation starters that you're gonna, you might want to know more about, uh, but it'll keep you interesting at the parties out there or just give you something to do while you're quarantining, whatever it or may be. Beer, right? Since we're talking about it. <laughs> or drinking These beers. These are conversation starters while you're drinking your beer. There you go. There, there we go. We, good way to tie it in. All <laughs> right. So we've got Darren Ralphs on the next episode, and a lot of that is going to be about the Olympics. But there are going to be seven new events at the Beijing 2022 Olympics this year, starting February 4th, going through the 20th of February. You've got monobob, which is a women's solo bobsled, short track speed, speed skating, mixed team relay there, and then ski jumping, which is a mixed team event as well. Snowboard cross, mixed team event. That sounds fun. Freestyle skiing, mixed gender team. And then the showstopper, what always catches the eyeballs, is skiing big air for both men and women so the skiers always do more spins go bigger than the snowboarders on this big air the snowboard big air has been in it already so glad to have my fellow skiers uh out there for big air so those are your seven new events in the 2022 olympics coming up in a couple weeks and then you've probably seen baby shark or heard of it at least it was already the most viewed video on youtube it became the first to hit 10 billion views. Uh, they don't have a view from me. I've never watched it. 
I'm a new father, as you know, Rob, but uh, so maybe I'll be getting into it here soon, but stay away. I have not seen it yet. So everybody's saying, wow, that's crazy. 10 billion views and parents are sitting there saying, well, it seems sort of low. I've watched it about a million times myself. So (laughs) if you're wondering what number two and number three are, it's Despacito, the music video at 7.7 billion views. And then third place is Johnny Johnny, Yes Papa at 6.1 billion views. And that's also a a kid's, a a baby uh, video. I had to look it up, didn't know what it was. So uh, the the kids videos taken two out of the top three spots with uh, Despacito, the great song that was captured the summer, what, back in 2017 at 7.7 billion views. That's wild. Wow. So those are, those are some of the happenings out on YouTube. You know what which... I think of though, when, when, when I think of that baby shark is um, not necessarily baby shark anymore. My, my youngest is, is seven. So he's passed out a little bit, but you, you recently just got into Ted Lasso and they have the, uh, the Jamie Tart song that goes along to the same, same tune as baby shark. Did yeah, I did this... not know. Cause I've never seen baby shark. So oh, I didn't, well, that's, I didn't that's, why, that's where it comes from. So when they, when they sing that Jamie tart, do, 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 Jamie tart, that's where it comes from. That's, that's for you. That's for you. Okay. <laughs> In other streaming news, uh, streaming just got more expensive for whoever's Netflix account that you are using or <laughs> you're, you're, you're pirating there. The streaming giant announced they are raising their prices in the U.S. and Canada. Company started uh, the standard plan will rise $1.50 while the 4K plan will bounce up two bucks with approximately 214 million subscribers. That's a smooth and quick $321 million per month in additional revenue for Netflix. Uh, but that money goes quick when you are spending $13.6 billion for content like they did back in 2021. And with healthy chunks of that, uh, that's $13 billion going to Red Notice, which did announce already two sequels. Uh, last week they announced that. And you know, Red Notice set a whole bunch of records. It's their most popular movie ever, most streamed. So yeah, they're, they're making a, a quick buck off of us literally a buck 50 uh, per month. But uh, yeah, they're going to throw that all back into content and making, making their giant uh, content service even bigger. So right it, on. I don't know your thoughts around their original content. Some of it's good. Some of it's meh. Like the red notice. I thought, I thought it was kind of mailed in for the most part. Yeah. Okay. It was a little bit predictable. Had to, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't change the channel. So that's, it's, it's entertaining. If you want to unplug your brain for a while, you know, it's yeah. There you go. All right. And then following his hit cooking show with Martha Stewart, Snoop Dogg is taking his culinary game to the next level. The rap icon who already sells cookbooks, cannabis, and gin is launching a hot dog brand. What's it going to be called, Rob? (laughs) If it's not Snoop Dogg's, I guess I'll be extremely disappointed. It is. You're right. Thinking on your toes, Snoop Dogg's is going to be his hot dog brand. And uh, back in 2016, what sort of launched him into doing this, Snoop made headlines with an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel in which he was trying to guess what was being made at the end of a step-by-step process. And one of them was hot dogs. And it it was pretty disgusting to watch, actually. If you've never seen how hot dogs are made, don't do it if you like hot dogs. And he said, I am never eating a MF and hot dog again. But now he'll be making or eating his own hot dogs. 
Uh, Snoop Dogg branded hot dogs, right on. <laughs> and then another legend creates his own brand. Last week, Brady announced his new athleisure wear and uh, sort of high-end clothes. Now, Sean White parts ways with Burton to launch White Space snowboards and activewear. To commemorate this launch, White Space has uh, pressed 50 boards that Sean signed and numbered, selling for a nice 1500 bucks. So a real nice timing to launch his company on the eye when all the eyes will be on him during this fifth and final Olympics. So why do you jump into something like this? Well, of course, you know, you want to be like Jordan, right? Michael Jordan was the first to do this or one of the first to create a brand around his athleticism. And the Jordans have sold about 3 billion in product. And Michael Jordan pocketed about 1.3 billion of that. So good luck with that, Sean. Good luck on being the next Jordan brand. That's yeah, what I've got for the national conversation starters and news out there. Thanks, Rob, for putting together the local hits. We'll be back after a quick break. And we're back with the Tahoe Tap. This one, all about the beer, baby. <laughs> this is where the adventures you can take either outside or at the bars all around beer. So take it away, Rob. You've got your famous drink of the week segment that you do in the Tribune every week. So you are, you couldn't be a better person to ask about this. <laughs> well, and, and not all of these beers I'm going to talk about are, I've done on drink of the weeks. I've, I've, you know, I taste more beers than I actually write about. Um, but, you know, I figured this would good at least just to talk about some of my, my favorite beers and breweries in the basin. And I, I'll talk about favorite beers, but just for warning, right? People have different tastes. Don't crush me if your favorite isn't one of my favorites. And Mike, you can chime in with some of yours too. But I tried to keep this to beers that are somewhat available year round, mainly because, you know, what kind of host would we be if we were out there talking about a beer that's only available last summer and you go in there and you look like a fool for ordering it you know we don't we don't want you to be that person so try to keep it to those ones that you can get uh, fairly often or most of the time and i figured you know one of the things as i as i was looking at this and going all right trying to research which ones are my favorite i, I came across this side note because a lot like our last episode if anybody tuned into that one we talked a lot about movies that say they were taking place in tahoe that really aren't um and there's a quote-unquote tahoe beer right it's simply labeled as tahoe beer it's not actually a Tahoe beer at all. It's from the Brewer's Cabinet, which is out of Reno. It's actually a cool place. Uh, they have great Taco Tuesdays, although it's been a while since I've been in there. So I'm not sure if they still have Taco Tuesdays, but it was great while it lasted. But if you're wondering why they might not be on the list, um, and Mike, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that can is iconic. It was one of the first to claim the Tahoe name. Right. And, and they say that they have a brewery on the fringe of Truckee Meadows. I have no idea where. Um, I think it's just kind of strange to have if your actual brewery is in California, you have a beer named Tahoe, but then your location is in Reno, just seems seems weird. But that beer won't be on this list. Um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but, uh, and you know, one of the things too, that I want to mention, we actually lost one of the breweries, uh, last year. So for those folks that aren't aware the brewery Lake Tahoe, uh, in South shore, they closed its doors, so they won't be on this list either. Um, anything to add to that, Mike, I, I, I don't know why, or, or, you know, what happened could be just pandemic could be, they're just willing to sell. I don't know if we want to get into that, but uh, I think it was a pandemic casualty. That's about yeah, it. Yeah. So, unfortunately we lost one of those, but, uh, but there's still more beer to go around and I'm going to start actually, uh, these aren't necessarily in any given order, but I'm going to start with Sadellis, which is on the South Shore. And I couldn't necessarily decide between uh, their Clockwork White or Petey's Porter. And I'm going to go with Petey's Porter because I'm, there's a little bit of diversification here. I just want to give folks, uh, you know, different types of beers because the Clockwork White is going to be similar to another one I'm going to talk about. But the Petey's Porter, uh, it's more like a, a heavy duty brown ale. Uh, it's five and a half percent ABV. It's not crazy, um, but... You know, those folks that are familiar with porter taste, things like chocolate and roasted barley, it starts out a little bit heavy, finishes a pretty light. So it's not going to weigh you down like some porters can do. Um, and I don't know, Mike, uh, we'll talk a little bit about like my favorite beers when we when we talk to, uh, to the folks at Alibi. But uh, any of your favorites over there at Sedellis? You know, I don't frequent Sedellis that often, but they did have a red IPA a while back that yeah. was a staple there. Uh, that was it, but I, I don't recall the name of it. Okay, well, this next one I know you you go to, and this is South Lake Brewing Company, or as we like to give it the SLBC treatment uh, here in the South Shore. Uh, their Fog Nozzle Hazy IPA. Um, this is 6.8%. It's fruity. I don't find it too hoppy for an IPA, really. Uh, it's more of a New England style IPA, and I probably can't say too many bad things about it because I freaking love this beer. Um, and I don't know, Mike, I don't know if you still know. Are they still, I know when they very first launched this, they were they were given a portion of the proceeds to the Tahoe Fire Academy Scholarship Fund. Is that still happening? Do you know? I'm not sure about that one, but my favorite beer is the Trail Builder, where they do give a portion of the proceeds to Tamba. So I know they're still doing that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, any thoughts around the fog nozzle? I, I'm, I love hazy IPAs. I love them more than just a straight up IPA. Um, I know since they came about, uh, hazy's has kind of been my, uh, my go-to IPA. I'm a creature of habit. When I find something I like, I just go back. So the fog nozzle I haven't had since maybe, maybe my first time there. Uh, <laughs> I just keep going with the trail builder. <laughs> well, I know when they launched it, uh, it quickly outsold. I, I remember the other IPA that they had uh, when they were first uh, rocking and rolling, but uh, it started out selling that one. Um, but uh, I'm sure there's, I'm not the only one that likes that. And, and the last one, I, I do have a couple of other mentionables, but the last one I want to go into a little bit more detail in, uh, heading up towards the North, uh, the North Shore in Truckee. This is the 50-50. The, uh, the, the boys uh, from Alibi, they talk a little bit about it too, their Eclipse. Um, you know, they, they mentioned the Imperials that they're doing up there, and they're right. I mean, I, I did get to tour where they're aging this beer, and it is simply delicious. But, you know, this is an acquired taste. If you've never had an Imperial, it, it's, it's burly. Uh, you can't slug a bunch of these down, you know, in a single night, really one's all you need, but um, they're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. But in, in this case for Alibi, they take their Imperial Stout and they age it in whiskey barrels. And I want to say um, when I was up there, when they were touring, uh, touring the place, they said that they had uh, Buffalo Trace barrels that they were working with at that time, but they get them from all around and they're going to sit there in anywhere from three to 12 months. Um, and given, you know, the different aging period and the different types of whiskey barrels that they're using, not one beer comes out the same. So they're, they're more like a wine. And I don't, I don't want to call this a barley wine because it's not a barley wine, but I, more so in that each year, it's somewhat of a different vintage. They even have a wax top uh, that, that 
pushes over the the top of the beer, uh, lets it age a bit, uh, which you don't really want to do with other beers, but you're you're okay to do that with with this type of beer. Have you had that Eclipse up there, Mike? I have not. No, yeah, it's delicious. But I mean, again, I mean. It's not for everybody, um, but I do have a couple other mentionables here. Uh, Coldwater Brewery, they're, they're knock them dead red, and, and Mr. Toad's has is is been popular ever since they opened. Um, you'll, you'll hear us talk a little bit about reds in the interview. That's This is by far my favorite red in the basin, uh, although there's not a whole lot of reds creeping around, but um, uh, Alibi, they, they have a chance of clouds, uh, hazy IPA. They also have a chance of clouds, cloudy IPA. I'm referring more towards the hazy side of things. That's my, my favorite there. Uh, but since we we talked a lot in depth about uh, about Alibi, I figured I'd give some love over to SLBC. And then the other one, South and North, their mo- Motorcycle Mama West Coast IPA. Uh, it's not big and bitter or robust with hops. It's just more, it reminded me more of uh, a drinkability of an ale, more so than, than necessarily an IPA. But that, that's probably my favorite beer over there. Um, but those are, those are my beers, Mike. Any other beers that you're like, why the hell did you mention this one this one's fantastic and again i remember i'm trying to keep this to the ones that are readily available right right yeah i it's tough to compete with an expert roundup like that (laughs) i mean come on man you know your beers they are tried and tested week after week but the one i would say at at cold water is the uh tahoe cross ipa uh one of their staples as well and my personal go-to so um cool thanks for that i just missed one that's not yeah (laughs) that's a great score all right so favorite adventures with beer in hand so not really talking about in-depth tastes or you know profiles of beer talking about the experience around it the first one going to be flat stick pub one of the newer businesses in south lake tahoe located literally directly across from the gondola in the heavenly village whether it's a first day, you know, catching the game with the buddies or hanging with the entire family, it is kid friendly. They've got 33 taps going all from California or Nevada. And their tap list, if you go online, has a date and time stamp, So you know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, you know what's what's on there. Or if they you're looking for something that you had a few weeks ago and it's not on there, they keep it really up to date. So check out Flatstick Pub. And the biggest thing I didn't mention is that They've got indoor mini putt golf, uh, uh, you know, a, a couple other games as well. Of course, cornhole and, and some darts, but that is, uh, they call it sort of, if you go to their website, it's tipsy putt. So uh, all kinds of, you know, locals nights going charity nights as well. So you can give back to the community while you're sipping your beer and putting around with your friends. So you, flat want, stick a, pub. you want a quick flat stick pub story for me, Let's Mike? Do it. Yeah. All right. So, Last weekend, we're recording this on Wednesday the 19th, and last weekend, my son and I, my son's 18, uh, he and I went down to the Tool concert at the Golden One Center in Sacramento, and there's a there's a flat stick pub that's right there, it's right next to the Golden One Center, and we were looking for something to do ahead of the concert, and we were going to go in there and um, just play some mini golf, I was going to have a beer or two, whatever, and we get there, and the guy's like, ID? I was like, What? And, and mind you, I've been to the one in, in South Lake, and he's and he asked for ideas. Like you got to be eight, you got to be twenty one to get in here, and he's like, yeah. I was all, well, the one in Tahoe isn't like that. Why is this one like that? He's like, well, family nights only only on Sundays, and here, I mean, it's California, man. They 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 want to keep track, or if you got beer around, they want to they want to make sure that uh, they're regulating that. I was like, well, wait a minute, the one in South Lake is is in California. So we were bummed. Um, we didn't get in a flat stick, but when you say it's family friendly. 
And those of you, if you listen to this in Sacramento and you go to that one, know the one in Tahoe is family friendly all day, every day. Good call. Good, good relevance there. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, getting out on the water. We're going to hit the Safari Rose if you want a really fun experience that involves some drinks. Voted Best of Tahoe 2018, 19, 20, and 2021. It is the largest yacht on Lake Tahoe, coming in at 80 feet long and departs out of Ski Run Marina, South Lake Tahoe, so very centralized uh, no matter where you're staying. You've got a fireplace and full bar for the winter cruises with two options every day. You got the midday Emerald Bay cruise, great for the you know bluebird days out there. You can hit the sun deck that departs at 11 o'clock. Day drinking is accepted while you're on vacation. So and get camping. after it <laughs> and camping. Yeah. And golf. There's a few things where, <laughs> you know, nice. starting before noon is, is just uh, accepted. Uh, and then they've got the sunset cruise at three o'clock. Uh, go until about five right after the sun sets, which skirts along the West shore and uh, doesn't go in the Emerald Bay, but you skirt out the, uh, the entrance of it and catch the, uh, sunset there on the safari rose go to tahocruises.com to check that out and book your adventure with them and then probably my favorite one on this list number three my last one is big, big blue bar at homewood nothing at all cutting edge in terms of their drinks i mean you're cracking a can of bud light or coors light whatever it may be or you know they do have some bloody marys there but this is about the beer which they don't really have, but this is easily the bar with the best view, hands down. I can't, I can't, you know, say that enough. You're, you're sitting up uh, mid mountain at about 7,000 feet DJs on the weekend, plethora of Adirondack chairs to unbuckle the boots. It does require skiing though, and a lift ticket to get to that bar. They have other bars down lower, the West shore cafe, which is right across the highway from Homewood, but the big blue bar is easily the bar with the best view you're gonna get some people mad at you giving away those secrets yeah that's all right there's plenty of room up there plenty of chairs it's never busy at homewood so have at it folks have at it <laughs> all right that is your adventure portion of the tahoe tab we're gonna be back with kevin drake and rich romo from alibi aleworks stick with us Welcome back to the Tahoe Tap Podcast. It's Rob and I's pleasure to introduce Kevin Drake and Rich Romo. This is the part of the pod you've been waiting for, right? The meat and potatoes, as I like to call it, where we really get to dive in deep. We're not selling tickets to our show or telling you something to do. You get to know some of the people here from around the lake. Kevin grew up in Portland, Oregon, Rich and Incline native but they've since come together as co-owners of Alibi Aleworks, opening the business in 2014. Their beer empire now includes the original brewery and barrel house in the sort of industrial district, as I like to refer to it, in Incline Village, the public house right on the main drag in Incline Village as well, and then you've got the Truckee Public House in downtown Truckee. I think that might be my personal favorite, uh, just, but we'll, we'll talk about those in a little bit. And, you know, not even can't even list off the entire loads and loads of craft beer awards and numerous best of North Lake Tahoe and Truckee awards. 
So gents, thank you very much for carving out some time here on the Tahoe Tap. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, sure did, I mean, I hope I wrapped it all up there in a bow. Um, is there anything you want to add to your accolades there? Oh. <laughs> this is your time to pat yourselves on the back. Hey, right. <laughs> You did a pretty good job. Our heads are fully inflated. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Rob, take it away. We've got some uh, fire questions coming at you. All right. Well, and, and this one, you know, Kevin, you, I, and Rich, I mean, we had we had done an interview a while back, right before you opened um, the uh, the public house in Incline, and you had joked, Kevin, um, that uh, um, Rich swiped right on you, and that's really kind of how it all began. But for the folks that don't know the story, maybe give us that that 90-second overview of Alibi. Uh, you mean kind of the origin story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the quick quick version is Rich and I were both living in North Lake Tahoe. Um, both of us were home brewers. Um, and I, I formed a kind of a club at the time. It was like a Yahoo group, like email list, um, to try to link up home brewers in the area. Um, it was called the North Tahoe Brew Crew. And the intent was just to connect all the people I kept hearing about, they were also brewing a lot of beer and just, you know, get together, share beer, share ideas, brew more beer. And Rich, <clears throat> so we had a few gatherings and Rich came to one of those and the two of us started hanging out and making beer and realized we both had interests uh, in opening a brewery and decided after hanging out for a few months that we had pretty good complementary skill sets and we should do this together. And the rest is history. <laughs> Anything you want to add to that, Rich? Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, is homebrewing. We uh, just really love doing it. And uh, yeah, I, I moved away to San Diego for about 10 years, and that's where I really caught the uh, craft beer bug, watching uh, companies like Stone start from a pretty small kind of garage type deal to uh, what they are now. It was inspiring. And uh, yeah, just. Both, both me and Kevin got along really well and uh yeah just kind of worked out there nice yeah we both having grown up in Portland and Rich spending like a decade in San Diego we both were around really strong beer cultures and then for various reasons ended up back in North Lake Tahoe and kind of at the time um you know late 2000s early 2010s um, felt like there was a real opportunity um there were not many breweries at the time and there still aren't, but there are definitely more than there were in the open. More. Yeah. We, we got, we got some questions for you about the, the Tahoe brew culture a little bit later. Um, I, I you know, th this is more of a personal question for me um, because, you know, you have locations in incline, you have location in Truckee. What are the difference, you know, and there may not be a difference, but I'm just curious to know if the customers at those locations, if their beer drinking habits, are they, are they, both are they similar in both locations or like in you know are they drinking more sours in Truckee than they are in, in incline just you know what what's the uh, the status of, of your clientele in each of those locations you know it, it varies a lot um, but I can say that um, we sell we sell more hoppy beers IPAs in Truckee um, those are consistently at the top of our sales list for the week of the month. Um, and an incline we sell, we sell a significant amount of hoppy beer too, but um, oftentimes some of our lighter beers like Kolsch or some of our lagers uh, actually are the best selling beer of the day. And that's always actually pretty cool to see. I think an incline, you've got a, a little bit of a um, 
we've got more of a drive-by culture, people dropping in who don't know Alibi, they're looking for lunch, and maybe they're just looking for a lighter beer. Mm -hmm. um, in Truckee, it's a little more hidden away, and we get more like beer drinkers seeking us out. And so we're actually really working on um, trying to <laughs> draw more of those beer drinkers into our incline pub as well. But, you know, on the sour side, it's pretty evenly split, but the biggest difference is, I think, a little more light beer in incline and a little more hoppy beer in Truckee. Um, but still, it's astounding the variety of beer people are trying. <laughs> I bet. Uh, when you factor in, you know, your your grocery stores and your distribution channels, everything like that, what's been your best-selling beer since you guys have opened? Pale Ale. Really? Yeah, yeah. That surprises me, actually. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty happy about it because we really love um pale ale <laughs> we've <laughs> been dialing that beer in since day one um and i think part of it is that in the market as a whole every brewery on earth really is pushing their ipas and we of course make ipas and um but in the market like out in wholesale we've really tried to focus on pale ale and there there aren't nearly as many pale ales available so we saw it as an opportunity and yeah I, and so pale ales that uh, are best-selling beer across the board it doesn't it's rarely number one in the pubs it's usually two three four um but we sell a ton of it out at draft accounts around the region and a lot of cans in the grocery store so we're big pale ale proponents it's lower alcohol it's easier drinking it's a little more along the lines of what we're trying to inspire people to do which is drink you know kind of pub strength beers that are delicious <laughs> Who does it? <laughs> yeah, those 10 percenters, they uh, they take an effect. Uh, so yeah. another big picture question here. What's the biggest accomplishment since you guys have opened the brewery and tap room uh, back in 2014? No. Well, I'd, I'd personally say uh, kind of winning the local best ofs, you know, just being the locals favorite has been a been a huge thing when I moved back from uh, from San Diego to here there wasn't a whole lot to do and you know when we decided to raise a family um, figured we had to build you know the best place for a place that I'd want to go to consistently and have fun at uh, Tahoe seemed to be lacking in that for a couple decades so trying to bring it back bring the uh, community back together and I think it's showing is there an award? I mean, we've got best beer selection, right? I mean, that's got to be high on your list, but a, a one that's sort of outside of that category that you like to win or you aspire to each year, whether it's maybe best happy hour, best nachos, you know, anything that that's outside of the beer. I think just being the local's favorite. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> you can't beat Rich that. Is, yeah, it's hard to Rich beat is, that one. <laughs> yeah, Rich is referring to the uh, uh, best of North Lake Tahoe Truckee, um, and we've we won best brewery each year since we've been open, which is something we don't take for granted. We're pretty proud of it and pretty grateful that we keep winning it. And we're working our asses off to make sure that we do keep, um, <laughs> keep winning that award and staying as the locals favorite. And then as you stack up those awards and you're going along the journey, what's been the most important thing you've learned along that way? Um, I think that, the team we've built at Alibi is really critical. It's just, it's everything. It's critical to where we're at today. Um, and it's something we're really, really proud of. Um, we've attracted some, some great talented people and we've had really high retention. Um, a lot of our key managers around for 
many years. Um, I, I noticed on your website, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, say a brewery would have a nice pretty shot of a, a beer pouring or something like that. And you've got your entire staff, a huge photo front and center on the homepage. I, I love it. Yeah. It's our family. Yeah, no doubt. It's, and it was, so that might also be maybe the most difficult part of scaling up three businesses in different locations. Um, talk about that a little bit. What's been some of the challenges? I mean, of course, we've had no shortage of those yeah. over the past uh, couple of years, but maybe even before uh, pre-COVID or maybe it has been this, this challenge. Yeah, hiring and growing a team is is definitely a huge challenge, and obviously the flip side of that is huge rewards um, when it you know when it's working well. And we've been putting a hell of a lot of effort in to just our team dynamics and communication. Um, I'll say that when we were um, really as we've grown, um, you know, the financing piece of it um, just has been a it's been a challenge. <laughs> um, we've yeah, we really expected to be able to get into um, this market and operate a profitable operation pretty quickly. That was not the case. So we had to kind of navigate that. And um, we have, you know, we we're in a much healthier position now, And but it, it was a really stressful period. Um, um, you know, part of our growth was out of necessity. We were expecting to be more of a production brewery with a single tap room. And it was abundantly clear after you know, a year and a half, two years that that was just not going to work. Like the business model was not going to fly. So um, enter Alibi Truckee and then, you know, shortly after um, Incline Public House. Well, you could take that as a compliment. People want to hang around with you guys a little bit longer. Yeah. They don't want to just smash and grab, take your beer. They want, they want to hang out, talk to the brewmasters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And everyone's very accessible. Yeah. And that's one of the good things about, you know, these small communities that we have around Tahoe, right? You know, we, we talked a little bit about clientele and, you know, you mentioned, you know, pale ale being the, that bestseller, but, you know, I, I'm curious to know how, how you both are, you know, maybe it's a, a group decision and, and you bring in some other folks, but how do you ultimately decide what beers you want to brew and then go about maybe identifying those beers and how they might resonate with specific clientele? Um, and there's, I'm sure there's a process to it, but uh, how do you go about doing that? It's pretty organic. Um, we've got a, a, a talented brew team and they've, we make sure that there's a lot of creative freedom in the brewery and when there's an empty tank and we don't have to make another like, core beer that they have a lot of input um, on you know, what beer goes into that tank. So we, we take a lot of risks, try a lot of new beers um, and usually we'll do, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll release a beer just tap room only um, across our locations, get some feedback, see how we like it um, before it ever goes into cans um, and gets you know sent out to the broader market. But sometimes it's um, you know feedback from accounts. Sometimes it's customer ideas. Sometimes it's just you know you wake up in the middle of the night, with a cool beer name, and then it's like you know build the beer around that. <laughs> yeah. um, sometimes it's just building on our past beers we've made, like thinking back. Okay, you know, oh, two years ago we made that. Um, you know, X year. Yeah, and when we and when we started this, we had no intent of being, you know, just a hoppy brewery or just a sour or just a barrel aged. Um, being home brewers, you like to make a bit different beer every single time. So, trying to keep that spirit of home brewing with Alibi and playing playing with it all over the place. You ever had a um, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, um, but you know, just an idea of 
have you ever made a, you know, a type of beer and you taste it and you're like, whew, this one just got to go down the drain. There's no other place for it. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but thankfully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Expensive mistakes. But... We all, yeah. we all make them, you know, business owners where, you know, we try to get around them, but they happen from time to time. Right. So yeah. I got personal, these are more personal questions for the both of you. So, um, and, and more of a two, two-parter. So, you know, both Kevin and Rich, you know, what types or styles of beer do you personally enjoy the most? And, you know, we're all friends here, you know, in the, in the, in the beer community and around Lake Tahoe. Do you have a favorite beer at another local brewery? Man, that's a hard one. <laughs> well, my, uh, so many my, good beers out there. Yeah. yeah, totally. My taste in beer varies a lot. And when people ask me what my favorite beer on tap is, my answer is usually the newest one. Um, that's the most interesting to me because I'm still getting to know it. But uh, I'm an unabashed pale ale fan. I drink a lot of our just house pale ale. Um, and more lately, I've been gravitating more and more towards um, lagers and just crisp, lighter, more traditional beers. Um, yeah, we've been making more, more of those easy drinking, um, yeah, lagers and more traditional styles that are the kind of beers that are built to have three of, you know, not one of. So, sure. I, yeah. And um, any any anyone out there that you're like, this, you know, if I'm going at another place or another brewery around around the lake, this is one of my favorites. Yeah, you know. Um, there's a little brewery out in the Sierra Valley called Ronin Fermentation Project, and they're killing it, um, especially with um, especially with some of the lighter, crisp lagers. He's also doing some really cool stuff with koji, <laughs> like fermenting beer with koji. Mm. Um, and those are really cool. Um, I'll give uh, South Lake Brewing a shout out to their their pale ale is great, and uh, I, that tends to be what I drink when I swing through their place. Nice. Rich, how about you? What do you, what do you, what type of styles do you enjoy the most? And then maybe a favorite at another brewery? Um, well, these days, um, well, I'm a really uh, seasonal beer drinker, I guess. You know, like the a uh, little bit warmer, darker beers in the winter. Um, you know, fall, summer might gravitate a lot more towards the, uh, the sours, uh, the lagers, I really enjoy just easy drinking beers. Um, and then locally, I think still 50, 50 just does a real bang up job on their, uh, their clips, uh, barrel aged beers. I love those beers, just oh, really delicious. thick and chewy in the winter time. It's not my beer in the summer, but they just, they do a really great job. So you guys did a pretty stellar job of making me nice and thirsty already, but I'm, <laughs> I, I came into this podcast hungry gentlemen. So I want to know about some food in this one. Uh, and we'll start with you, Kevin, uh, crowd favorite dish at either location. And then that personal go-to that maybe has a modification, maybe there's sort of, sort of secret menu that, you know, uh, the podcasters can, can check out, but, uh, <laughs> tell, tell me those, those two ends of the, the menu there. Mm. Man, I, you know, at our incline public house, uh, we've got a, basically our take on a bon mi sandwich on the menu like a vietnamese style pulled pork um and that sandwich is incredible i think i've eaten more of those i've definitely eaten more of those than any other menu item um man i just had one last week and 
and drank it with a snowflake white IPA and it was really, really, really good. So that's just my, my, my default. I have a hard time moving away from that. Would you also crown that the crowd favorite as in just most of the, the ticket that's coming out the most? No, you know, our Wagyu burger actually at both locations. Um, so we have a Wagyu sliders in Truckee and we have a Wagyu house, like Wagyu burger in incline. And those are both consistently our uh, crowd favorites, you know, beer and burgers are just a winning combo. Yeah, I, I, I like eat a little more plant-based and, you know, lighter fare, like, the majority of people just want a burger and a beer. Um, so, so we got the crowd favorite, but rich, what's your, what's your go-to? An uh, incline. It's definitely the Wagyu burger for, for sure. Um, probably get it too often. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Truckee. Um, when I go there, I typically get the beer, mac and cheese and a uh, mustache pretzel. So just a real basic, combo but just love love both of those and then my kids love the uh the uh we have a sweet pretzel with cinnamon sugar and like a fudge type sauce to dip into opposed to mustard which is pretty bang up too all right well thanks for the insight and know what to order now yeah now now we're both hungry and thirsty yeah (laughs) You're, you're welcome (laughs) <laughs> you know, is, talk about the brewing industry a little bit. You know, what do you think is the most difficult thing, you know, about the brewing industry right now? I mean, granted, there's everybody's dealing with COVID, but is there something that, uh, you know, that you find it all brewers really struggle with? Um, I'd say two, two key things. And uh, one is supply chain. I mean, just shortages of everything. And it seems like, you know, each month it's something new. If it isn't, you know, aluminum cans, it's... Um, you know, it's a malt shortage or um, cost increases just across the board. Um, yeah, it, um, even glassware. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, merchandise, like the things that you just take for granted. Um, you know, you go to place an order and they're like, oh, we're, we're out. You know, when's it back? Well, uh, we're not sure. Hopefully in <laughs> three to six months. And we're going, uh, Maybe. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, and, uh, and then hiring, um, you know, the majority of our staff work on the, on the service side, whether it's in our kitchens or um, at the bars. And, you know, despite the fact that we've got a great team and a, and a great place to work, pay competitively and a great vibe, it's still tough to hire. Um, and, yeah. uh, so that's an ongoing challenge and something we're really focusing on, just making sure that we continue to be the place that, you know, people want to work in this industry. They want to work for Alibi. Yeah, hiring stuff all the way around. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is what I alluded to earlier as far as, you know, that Lake Tahoe Truckee beer scene, because it's evolved quite a bit since since you all opened your doors. You know, what do you think maybe is the next step for for the local scene or, or just maybe your take on, on where the brewery scene is at, you know, around uh, the lake in Truckee? You know, it's been fun to see the number of breweries pop up. Um, you know, when we opened on the North Shore, um, there were two breweries in Truckee. Um, that was 50-50 and Tahoe Mountain Brewing. We were the only one on the North Shore. And then I think in South Lake, um, there were three, maybe four, cold water open right before us. And now I, 
I would venture to guess there's at least 10 between South Lake, North Lake, and Truckee. Um, I think there's definitely a trend towards smaller breweries, you know, uh, there's a few little nanos that have popped up like Fair Belly and Donner Creek, um, where it's truly that homebrew spirit just, you know, opening up and brewing some big homebrew batches and serving it to the public. So it's cool to see people bootstrap and, and give it a shot, knowing that if they're successful, they'll probably be able to grow. Um, I'd say that, um, you know, the real estate is limited in uh, North Tahoe, at least, um, for places that would be good to start a brewery of any of any real scale. Truckee, I think, could handle a few more, um, and I'm sure Southlake could handle a few more. But, you know, people like to drink beer in Tahoe. That's, we know that. <laughs> and I think there's still plenty of beer to sell, even if there's, you know, new brewers in, in the market. You know, we're not too concerned about the an increasing number. Um, it's a pretty cooperative, friendly vibe between all of us. That's good to hear the, the cooperative side of it. And I mean, that just speaks for how it's got to be in Tahoe in general, right? As we, we all share the lake here and, and the beauty of it. So um, we're happy when people are considering make opening a brewery and they reach out to us for advice. So a little, a little oh. scary when we see one pop open without uh, asking around too much because you know, we've, we've taken our punches and we have a lot to offer. Very good point. That that's, that's awesome to hear. Um, all right. My final question here is sort of that, that future outlook, where do you see the taste trends going in the next few years? I mean, we had the big IPAs we're all the rage in the hazy unfiltered, then the sours, which I could never personally get into the sours. What's what's next? Are we going to see sort of a you know a return of the high waisted jeans kind of thing, and <laughs> we're going back to to PBR style? I mean, what what do you guys see in the trends? Well, there's definitely a trend towards uh, loggers right now. It's exploding. It seems like. Yeah, tons of breweries are starting to make lagers. Um, and that's cool to see. Um, I think everything goes in waves. And I think we're hitting a point where, you know, the craft beer boom really took hold in the end of the 90s. Um, I mean, it was starting earlier, but like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s was really just when things were taking off and all of a sudden breweries were growing like crazy. And, you know, a lot of those people who were like, you know, in their early 20s at that time are now in their mid 40s. And, you know, maybe they have a family or they just aren't drinking as much or they want to drink lighter beer. So I think a lot of the people who really fueled the craft beer boom are starting to come around to, you know, a little less bold and a little more just beers you actually want to drink every day. You know, and that could be a well-balanced pale ale. It could be a lager. It could even be, you know, IPAs, but, you know. I mean, it's cliche to say, but it's, I, I really think that balance and drinkability is actually having it, it's, it's having its heyday, right? Or it's starting to return. Um, I think we all got our hands slapped a little too much with those, those heavy beers out on the slopes, right? Catch an edge. And you're like, I mean, it, <laughs> you, you learned your lesson over those heavy ones. Yeah. Drinkability is huge. It's definitely making its resurgence. I feel like. Well, you know, I've, I've one additional question to add to that because a, a buddy of mine, we were actually out for beer uh, over the weekend at, uh, I think it's Shoe Spoon, how you pronounce it in Reno. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I met him there and, and we were talking and, and this is more just a curious question for me is when you talk about, I, I kind of get excited when you, when you mention things are going back to, to loggers or, but one of the things that we talked about was you don't see a whole lot of ambers anymore. And especially like, you know, I'm a kid of the nineties and I really enjoyed those ESBs, those extra special bitters. And I yeah. never see those anymore. I mean, what are those things just hard to make? Is that why we don't see them anymore? No, they're, they're not particularly hard to make. I mean, you know, like any beer, they're hard you know, every, to make a really great example of beer is not easy, but uh, they're just, you know, you have that amber crowd like yourself, you know, you're that guy who would come in and go, okay, any reds or ambers on tap? And they're just few and far between. Um, so we've had a few beers in that category and where we were actually just having a conversation about two weeks ago, and, you know, reprioritizing having something in that amber brown spectrum on tap, like all the time if possible. Um, to really round out the selection but well i like to hear that <laughs> but i'll drink anything else I mean, I'm, I'm not yeah it's... rob's favorite what's his favorite beer the coldest one of course yeah <laughs> everyone you know everyone gravitates towards extremes whether if you like coffee beer you want the biggest hop aroma and flavor that you can get you like dark beer you want that just thick chewy you know dark chocolate milkshake of a beer you want sour, you know, a lot of people just have been looking for those bold, big flavors and those red ales and ambers just don't, they're balanced. Like they're, you know, I think you're referring to like Red Hook ESB. Yeah, that was the one. <laughs> I grew up in the Northwest. I drank a lot of Red Hook ESB and, uh, you know, I'm not sure those beers are seeing a big resurgence or anything, but we do love them. And we've got a couple we make that recur and we're going to prioritize, you know, with 16 plus taps we can definitely make sure there's a red or amber on tap at all times. So yeah, you, you knew exactly the one I was talking about with that red hook. That was, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's a good beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, gents, Kevin, Rich, we appreciate the time, as I said at the top, uh, for spending it with us here on the Tile Tap podcast. And we wish you well getting through this. Uh, we will get through it. Uh, and so and listen, those challenges. If, yeah. if listeners haven't been there, make sure you go check them out, whether you're, in Truckee or around Incline or even on South Shore, you can make the short trip up there. It's worth it. No doubt. Very yeah. worth it. We're easy, we're easy to find. Um, yeah. Well, I, I shouldn't say you're not going to drive by and just notice us, except maybe in Incline, but uh, hop on our website, alibi.beer. And uh, yeah, come by. All right. Thanks, guys. Coming up on the next episode, airing February 3rd, we've got Darren Ralph chatting about the Olympics because, you know, February 3rd, opening ceremony. Uh, for the 2022 Olympics. So he's going to give us a little bit of insight. He went to four of them himself. So tune into that one February 3rd. That's a wrap here on the Tahoe Tap. Catch you next time.